Hello and welcome to this JP Morgan at any rate podcast. I am Arindam Sandelia from the Global FX Strategy team and I'm joined by my colleague Ben Chatel to discuss this week in currencies. So on the surface this week was more noise than signal if you're honest. Stocks are squeezing higher but for FX in many ways the broad story around the dollar remains the same. The strength in the dollar and the weakness in high beta currencies we've seen this year are both a byproduct of the global monetary tightening that is underway. and the slew of upside inflation surprises we got this week is unlikely to change those dynamics in the short term ben of the uh, median dollar moves you've seen this week dollar yen slicing through 150 was one of the most uh, notable obviously there's been a shadow of fx interventions rolling over the yen ever since uh, the mof acted in late september uh, in addition japan's uh, september cpi today uh, beat expectations on the headline at least and plus the fact that uh, 10 jgb yields have been trading slightly above the ycc target ex ante uh, would those have looked to you like reasonable conditions for the market to expect a tweak of ycc at next week's boj you put the intervention uh, speculation and the the boj speculation together uh, should we have expected some pressure on dollar in this week were you surprised by uh, how easily how with little resistance we got through the 150 level on dollar yen okay thanks thanks ari yeah i mean i think that's a good question i think the the point we've been i guess emphasizing is that we don't think there are significant lines in the sand if you like from an intervention point of view so to begin on that point um if you remember we had a bit of discussion last week and i think there's also been a fair bit of speculation or, or thinking in the market as to whether you know big numbers 145 147 which was the 98 asia uh, financial crisis high in dollar yen and then of course 150 whether these are thresholds that would prompt an interventionist response from the mof via the boj and and our view has been very much that it's not the level that matters it's the pace the speed of the move and the context in which that move is happening so it doesn't surprise me that we we sort of slid through 150 um in the sense that the the move was fairly orderly and we didn't get a, a direct um intervention response given that that move was was you know not a a very sharp sort of acceleration i think what we're going to be watching out for now is you know ahead of the boj whether we do see a, a sort of a speed up in terms of how the yen moves versus the dollar and whether that then prompts some kind of intervention uh, response but i think the bottom line and you know the point we've been making all along is even if the boj um is active in the market in terms of buying the yen um through intervention you know this doesn't change the fundamental for trajectory for for dollar yen and the point we would make is that the you know the the rates dynamic dollar yen sensitivity to the market pricing of of the fed that remains the single most important factor for the pair and our 155 target is you know broadly consistent with that terminal rate getting to somewhere like 5.5% maybe a, a little bit below that so i think as long as we still see some upside for rates um some downside for japan's trade balance i think that's enough to get dollar yen you know at least a few percentage um points higher so for market participants uh, i guess in terms of catalysts next week's boj is a uh, as a keenly awaited event uh, what are your expectations from that ben in particular uh, very curious about uh, the balance of risks around around your baseline okay yeah i mean ari you made the point earlier that the market to some extent is already pricing in some chance of a boj move and i think the place that we start seeing that is the difference in how the 
swap market is moving relative to the JGB market. And what I mean by that is the 10-year swap is already, you know, 40 basis points or so higher than the 10-year cash bond. So in other words, the, the, you know, the swap market pricing in some kind of adjustment to YACC, you know, you, you could make that argument. Um, what do we expect in terms of action next week? I think the point to stress is baseline view is, is nothing. So we don't think that they're going to tweak YCC. But I think if they do, um, we'll get some sort of a, you know, in, in the risk scenario, some sort of a small adjustment to the 10-year target. So a 20, 25 basis point shift in the target or a similar magnitude widening of the band. I would put the probability of something like that at, I don't know, 10% or so. Not a baseline view, but at the same time, not a, a zero probability kind of an outcome. Ari, let me at this point turn the conversation back to you because it wasn't just dollar yen that you know, broke above 150 this week. We also had a fairly um, large move in, in dollar CNY um, you know, through that, what was supposed to be, a, I think, a, a fairly well-flagged resistance at 7.25, but we, we sort of sliced right through that. What, what did you make of that move? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, the CNY equivalent of the 150 on dollar yen, right? Uh, I think the uh, supposed resistance at 725 was uh, born out of uh, more overtly signaled expectation that the PBOC wanted some level of currency stability as the, the 20th Party Congress uh, was in session. Um, I guess the Party Congress is now uh, drawing to a close, so one could argue that the imperative for stability is is a little bit less, but you know, it's it's a it's it's not a you know, highly satisfying explanation. I guess the market was surprised that even in the middle of uh, a political event as big as that, you got this uh, intra-week spike in in dollar CNA to seven twenty eight. I guess what it just goes to show is the futility of central banks to try to defend specific levels on their currencies versus the dollar when the dollar trend is so broad and has such momentum behind it. You just look at the PBOC's own reaction function around 7.0 on dollar CNY this time around and contrast it to the price action that we saw in the lead up to 7.0 during the 2018-19 trade conflict period. You know, back then, this was defended as almost a hard line in the sand for an extended period of time. The lesson from that episode was such hard defenses of specific levels only lead to instability when those levels go. And, and hence in this cycle, you know, there's been some element of uh, adaptive or learned response to, to history. And in part, it's a tacit admission that uh, you can't keep dollar CNY at bay in a global move in the dollar. So, so long as the CNY CFETs basket remains firm, uh, you know, well north of 100, and CNY is not singled out for punishment, and it's not, um, then currency management will entail basically trend smoothing and uh, not really attempts at trying to hold arbitrary lines in the sand. So based on both the yen price action and the dollar CNY price action this week and the breach of key levels, that to me is the lesson to take home. Also, Ben, uh, away from China, I guess we can't end this conversation without speaking about the UK in, in a week like this. You know, as the resident Brit on our team, you know, tell us how much more political instability uh, is, is there in store for us. Yeah, I think the answer is a lot. But I guess the point I'd make is things are going to move quickly from this point. So trust is obviously out. Um, the shortlist of candidates for number 10 is probably going to be limited to something like three at most. 
Each of those candidates is going to need the votes of 100 members of parliament to, to move forward. And then we'll have the runoff, I think, potentially by the end of the month. Um, that, I think, is going to be important for markets because we're going to see a new prime minister installed in time for the OBR review of the, the new budget um, at the end of this month. So, Ari, with that backdrop, um, I guess the question is, how should we be thinking about sterling here? Um, we had a little bit of a recovery in, in cable, but, you know, I guess the question is, have we seen the best um, of the bounce in terms of what, you know, what the pound is doing? Uh, yeah, Ben, I think, uh, you know, we've seen both the worst of the fiscal risk premium in the currency, at least in the short term. Uh, we've seen this uh, big turnaround in guilt yields. We've seen the bounce in the currency. But at the same time, uh, my sense is we've also seen, uh, if not the best of the bounce in sterling following the fiscal U-turn, but something close to it. Because end of the day, you know, once you scrap 70% of the problematic parts of the original mini budget, you know, that is a silver bullet that can be used only once in terms of reducing fiscal risk premium in the FX. And from here on, the 40 billion pounds of uh, savings on the fiscal side that need to be found will have to come from some mix of painful tax hikes and or spending cuts. And going forward, uh, the market is going to closely scrutinize uh, those proposals uh, for political viability in the middle of a cost of living crisis. And hence, uh, you know, any of those measures will suffer from both you know, partial credibility problem, but also they'll have a growth depressing negative impact on, on the FX. So in some sense, uh, you know, we are left in a worse stagflationary climate for sterling uh, than when all of this uh, mess in the UK kicked off uh, a month or so back. Um, obviously, we've seen from this week's inflation prints that inflation is a, a difficult genie to put back in the bottle, uh, not just for the UK, but, but worldwide. But particularly in the growth side, um, we are not going to be having the positive pro-cyclical effects of, of fiscal loosening that the trust budget was proposing. We've had a reset higher of interest rates in the UK that will stress at least a cohort of uh, mortgage borrowers. And the energy price cap that was supposed to last two months is now only going to have a shelf life till April of next year, following which there's going to be a review, which means that there could potentially be a consumption hit coming from uh, bigger energy bills next year. So all of this combined to give you a, a worse growth profile for the UK than we were anticipating uh, beforehand. And, and just to finish that thought, you know, had all of this not happened, right, what are the things that the sterling would have been left without? Um, we would have been left without a, a degree of uh, uh, institutional erosion that I think will weigh on sterling assets for some time to come. And I think we'd have been left without shining a light on uh, this whole LDI issue. It's a crack in the UK market's financial architecture. Uh, which will continue to be pressured uh, so long as there is uh, upward stress on, on guilt yields. And this, now we've seen this, it can't be unseen. And as a result, this will continue to weigh on sterling for some time to come. So on the whole, we're still remaining negative on sterling and looking for a 105-like target uh, for cable by year end. With that, we come to the end of this podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening into this. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to this content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on October 21st, 2022.